Your choice is simple. Join us and live in peace or pursue your present course and face obliteration. Hello there, and welcome to episode number nine of Skeptics and Believers, a paranormal podcast. In this episode, Matt will be discussing witches and witchcraft with the team. So grab a drink, sit back, and we hope you enjoy the show. The, the broomsticks and the black cats. But what exactly is a witch? So I thought it'd be quite interesting to find out what everyone thought a witch was or what to them is a witch. So, Matt? Uh, well, the, the, the common view of a witch is it's a, an old woman in a pointed hat who rides a broom and keeps cats. That's not necessarily what I think a witch is, but that's that's what, you know, that's the, that's the perception of a witch, isn't it? I personally think that they are people who either do believe or claim to have an interest in old religions. It's, it's people who either do believe or claim to have a belief in or a worship of old gods, so pagans, essentially. I mean, what about you, Mike? What, what, what's your view of... Much the same, pagan, female or male. Cause it could be, I believe, well, a male which is a warlock, if I'm not mistaken, kind of spell casting or <laughs> spiritualism and nature combined type thing. What about you, Lise? What do you, what do you think a witch is? Usually a woman, in my mind. If you say witch, I think woman. But maybe that's just down to fairy tales that I was read to as a child. But I'm thinking, yeah, spells, curses. I think, oh, I don't know, really, yeah. Well, well, the classification relates to women with magical abilities. Now, witchcraft and witches is a massive subject, so I, there's no way in a couple of hours we could probably do the subject justice. I thought what I would do is that I would leave Wiccan, uh, Streg Herrier. That's the Italian one, yeah? Yeah, or Ferry, which are all considered contemporary takes on witchcraft. So we're going to park them to one side. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the classic witch, sort of dating back to the sort of early 1500s. A lady, she's a professor at Hungary's Janus Panius University, for over 40 years has studied uh, witchcraft, the, uh, the anthropology and the historical precedent of, you know, who are witches, how people became witches. And through her research over 40 years, she's actually come up with three sort of core identities of types of witch. So the first one is the neighbourhood witch. And the neighbourhood witch... Uh, is a social witch who may curse an individual known to them, such as a neighbour following a conflict. So I, like, like, I like the idea of the neighbourhood witch. <laughs> it sounds like something you could join. Yeah, you could have little signs yeah. with, like, with like a little witch's hat or, or cauldrons. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, the second type is uh, a magical or sorcerer witch who uses their ability to heal, seer, or act as a midwife, which again I think is quite interesting. 
often using their talents to increase their fortune or perceived standing within a community. Mm. So they go out of the way to sort of help people because they're, they're then held in higher regard. And that's often true in sort of South African, you know, soothsayers. They bend this perception then to sort of generate positive or negative outcomes. That's the argument. So they'll do things to help people, but then they manipulate it to create fear if anyone sort of ever tries to... Yeah. To, you know, to challenge them like shamans and people like Witch that. Witch doctors, that's, the, yeah, that's yeah, where exactly. the term comes from, isn't yeah. it? And then the third and final one, which sort of is the supernatural or night witch. The night witch is never really seen in a way that we would sort of perceive a, a presence, but instead that they're, they're a demon entity and they often appear in dreams or visions. So they're the sort of three most sort of popular classifications. What about the stop witch? <laughs> And the uh, the sandwich, the pocket witch, <laughs> the sandwich. <laughs> oh dear! The thing that I find really interesting about witches is that demonology came about due to the spread of Christianity and Islamic beliefs. Sort of labelled uh, sorcery as a heresy and was generally being viewed as evil. So in Europe during the 1500s, it can be argued that uh, religion used suspected witchcraft as a means of religious and ethnic cleansing, really. As religions battled for dominance across Europe, so did the detection and the destruction of so-called witches reach alarming levels. I mean, then they really were alarming levels. In some weeks, there'd be in excess of 15,000 people tried and executed for witchcraft. 15,000? Yeah. A week? Yeah. And that's, that's across Europe. And that, it's like and, a holocaust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, Genocide. It, it is a kind of ethnic cleansing. Gosh, yeah. Well, I suppose it is, yeah. Unfortunately, one of the big proponents of trying and the detection of, of witches was actually the Catholic Church. And they had a, a document which was known as the Malleus Lysificarum, uh, which was an infamous book, which was basically a sort of a, a dummy's guide of how to detect witches, which was a pretty horrendous tone, which uh, became very popular with Catholics, Christians, Protestants, as a way of hunting down and detecting witches. It's widely believed that witches have a number of sort of key skills and abilities, but they can be sort of broken down into sort of two main things. One is the ability to spell cast. The second is that they have the ability to conjure the dead, these being the two most sort of commonly widespread special capabilities of you know of most witches. In the UK, we actually had quite a big witch hunting task force, if you like. Yeah. One of the most famous cases in the UK is that of the, the Pendle Witches, which is in 1612. And here was a case of 16 women and four men who were accused of various witchcraft activities up in sunny, sunny Lancashire. Of the 11 who went to trial, uh, nine women and two men, 10 were found guilty and were executed by hanging. One of them was found not guilty. I thought it was quite interesting to talk about the names of some of the women. You'll see why in a second. Six of the Pendle witches came from one of two families, each at the time headed by a female in her 80s. So this is the start of the stereotypical look of what a witch would be, a haggard old woman without teeth. Some of the drawings that have actually been made of the court cases, if you were to hold that up to the Hollywood uh, view of what a witch is, specifically the Wizard of Oz, they're almost identical. So are we talking about a coven here? Yeah, I suppose you could say kind of like a coven, because you see, back then, being a witch 
was actually quite profitable, but I'll come on to that in a second. So yeah, both families had women in their 80s. One was uh, Elizabeth Southerns, who became known as Dem Dyke, that was her nickname. Her daughter, Elizabeth Device, and her granddaughter, uh, sorry, grandchildren, James and Alison Device. Anne Whittle, who was known by the nickname of Chattox, and her daughter, Anne Redfern. Interestingly. My surname's Redfern. So there we go. Actually, Um, do you know what? The the, the surname Redfern does come from that area of the country there. The others accused were Jane Bullcock and her son John Bullcock, Alice Nutter, Catherine Hewitt, Alice Gray and Janet Preston. The outbreaks of witchcraft in and around Pendle was actually partly due to the fact that Pendle was... It was it was a bit sort of up and coming, but there was it was known for sort of drunken sexual debauchery in and around the area, and people who pretended to be witches actually made really good money around there. Where was this? Um, this, <laughs> <laughs> this was a case called Pendle, which I'm sure now is not as uh, sexually exciting. Now, so just in case I go back in time, <laughs> right? Okay, you never yeah. know. Can, can we fit this into the skeptics tour? Uh, Pendle's witch tour is supposed to be really, really good. And they actually got a massive European government grant. So they actually have a witch tour, which is on all the signposts. So you've got little flying witches on broomsticks. Nice. Check it out, Pendle. So the outbreaks of witchcraft in and around Pendle were seen to sort of demonstrate the extent of which people could make a really good living by purporting to be a witch. Uh, Many of the allegations actually resulted from accusations from members of the Demdike and Chattox families uh, being made against each other. And in fact, one of the testimonies was by the by Demdike's nine-year-old daughter, who actually said, yes, I've watched her uh, doing cantations, doing spells, and I actually think that she is a witch. Well, here are, here are some sort of tried and tested ways that we can detect if someone's a witch, obviously before we set them on fire. So the first one, and you'll love this, Matt, is called Witch's Teat. Now, I'm sure we've, I'm sure we've, <laughs> we've all, all had that. <laughs> we've all heard of the expression, as cold as a witch's teat. But that actually comes from the test that witch finders actually used to use. So what they would do is they would find uh, somebody who was being accused of being a witch, and they would strip them and try to find a wart or some sort of growth on the body, mm. which apparently in the 1600s was quite common. People, yeah. poor yeah. hygiene, you're covered in warts. What they would do is they would get a single needle and they would stab the mole, for example. They would normally do this with the accused blindfolded and they would look for two things. If the mole didn't bleed or they didn't acknowledge some sort of pain... They were considered a witch. Oh, good grief. Bonfire, they're gone. <laughs> the second one is the Lord's Prayer. The accused were made to recite the Lord's Prayer, which was commonly known and commonly taught. If there was any sort of mistake or if somebody stuttered, that was considered to be a sign of them being a witch. Now, in some extreme cases, as noted in Nottingham, for example, women who were accused of being a witch when they were asked to start reciting the Lord's Prayer would become possessed and start violently spitting and foaming at the mouth. If they did, they were on the bonfire. Bonfire. The the third is known as the touch, which is a bit of an unusual and it's quite a convoluted um, 
uh, way of finding out whether or not someone's a witch. And Matt, stop, it's not what you're thinking. Mike, Mike and me are looking at each other because we're both thinking of the song. You got the touch. This has got nothing to do with Transformers and a lot to do with witches. <laughs> so what they would do is they would gather uh, witches into a courtroom and they would make the witches stare at lots of individuals Again, what I what I think from doing the research was people with epilepsy or, or through malnutrition and illness mm. would collapse. If somebody would collapse whilst the witches were staring at them, what they would do then is they would make the witch touch that person. If the person came round or stopped convulsing, this was a sign that the venom which had emitted from the witch's eyes <laughs> had then returned back into the body of the witch. Oh, good Lord. Now, you know what's going to happen? Bonfire. Bonfire. Bonfire, yeah. That seems like it's the kind of thing that you could quite easily <laughs> stage as well. Oh, um, yeah, I think it's a case of, I think you are you are pretty much damned if you're accused. Exactly. Uh, I haven't quite hit my witch burning quota <laughs> for this month, so... Uh, these five copper pieces <laughs> take a dive for me will we, we've got a really convoluted process which <laughs> actually will probably result in you being found to be a witch when she looks at you fall down when she touches <laughs> you get up easy money <laughs> right the, the next one is one of the most common ones which is dunking and this is really quite interesting um, what they would do is this would be done in two ways they would either be bound and dunked which involved I mean, this is pretty horrendous. They would bind the neck of the accused with rope, with a man standing either side. They would then put her into the water and throw rocks at her. If she floated, she was fine. If she went under the water, she was a witch. After being hit by rocks. And also strangulate, uh, you know, strangulated yeah. by uh, what, was a, what was in effect like a tug of ro- a war on your, on your neck. But this is the interesting thing, that what some of the Witchfinder generals started to notice was that um, when people were being dunked successively, they would more often than not admit to more or less anything. Waterboarding. And exactly, yeah, this is one of the things that we now still use today, that we do this thing called controlled drowning, because apparently over successive uh, sessions, it's, it's a really good technique for breaking someone's will. So... More than often, they would surrender their guilt because they just wanted the, you know, the the terrible pain and barbary of it all to come to an end. And then what would happen? You, well, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> fire, gonna fire happen. at that barbecue. Damn it, bonfire. <laughs> yeah. So get your marshmallows out. The fifth and final one, which I thought was was quite interesting, is a technique known as pressing. Now, this is where you lay someone flat on their back and basically exert a huge amount of force on top of them. The belief here was that it would force the truth to come out of you if you remain silent. (laughs) This was a sign of guilt. And you can imagine quite a few people remained silent. And a very, very sort of uh, well-known case was that of a gentleman called Giles Corey, who was an 80-year-old man accused of being a warlock. There was also some sort of infidelity between him and one of the Witchfinder General's family members. So obviously, his card is marked. <laughs> they lay him on his back and put several boulders and rocks on top of him. Oh, good Lord. His silence was seen to be damning. And when they removed the rocks to burn the body, he would, had already succumbed to the pressures on his body. So given the size of this subject, I think it's fair to say 
that there's a lot more to witchcraft and it'll probably be something that I revisit again in the future. To me, it, it just is, is quite obviously a reason for ethnic cleansing. And anybody who... The, the Lord's Prayer one is a great example. If you can't recite the Lord's Prayer, it's probably because you're not a Christian. Ergo, bonfire. Yeah. yeah. And, and we'd, we'd rather be without you. Thanks yeah. very much. Or, you know, who knows? Maybe they were all wizards and, and had magic powers and that's why they, we don't see them anymore because they were all put on the bonfire. <laughs> but I, I, you've got to think, if they were people with magic powers, they'd have been a bit harder to catch. When, to when, you, when you look at, for example, you know, the examples of them being considered a midwife or helping society, yeah. I think actually what witches probably were, more than likely anything else, well, they were probably very, very early pharmacists. One of the things that's interesting about it is that it's been going on for an awful long time. You know, there's old um, old Jewish stories, old Hebrew stories about apostates and people who would have sorcerous powers. You know, from from way back when, from thousands of years ago, and this the the whole idea of it kind of carried through. But I think probably because it came from that religious background. You know, you don't fit the religion, therefore you are an apostate. You are a witch. It, I think there's a difference probably between uh, that reason for the witchcraft trials. I mean, the 80-year-old the, the guy who basically got crushed to death because he was having it away with a, a witch hunter's family member. You know, he, he was called a witch clearly because he'd upset a witch hunter. It was, it was a, I think a lot of the people who died in the witch hunter trials had nothing to do with witchcraft, had no interest in witchcraft whatsoever. Some of them probably would have quite liked to have fallen in line with the Christian church but had speech impediments so couldn't recite the Lord's Prayer or, or or whatever it might have been. You know, it was it was the past. They were probably just left-handed. As I said, there's loads and loads of different elements to, to, yeah. to witches and witchcraft, which is why I probably think, you know, it warrants us, you know, certainly coming back and looking at it in more detail. I think but, modern witchcraft would be a good subject for another day. Yeah, mm. definitely. I really think so. Especially with that kind of background. If you haven't already, please subscribe and like the podcast. And if you have, thanks ever so much for your support. Next week, we'll be discussing poltergeists. So until then, please do take care of yourselves. podcast has been brought to you by obsidian shark productions the music featured in this podcast can be found at freemusicarchive.org and is used under the creative commons license more details can be found on our website